Welcome to the Nutrition-ish Podcast, the place for all things nutrition and mindfulness. We are passionate about guiding you to make peace with food and empower your body and brain. I'm one of your hosts, Allie Hobson. I'm an NTP, Nutritional Therapy Practitioner in San Diego. I work with individuals to assess personal nutritional deficiencies and imbalances by addressing the root cause of any health issue. In my private practice, I focus on women's hormones, gut health, and thyroid dysfunction. Let's meet my co-host. I'm Chelsea Gross, a certified transformational nutrition coach based in Los Angeles. I work one-on-one with women who are ready to break free from dieting, make peace with food, and create a life they love filled with energy, self-love, and freedom from rules and obsession. I'm also the creator of the ebook, Break Free from Disordered Eating. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is intended to be informative and entertaining and should not replace medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. We are so excited you're here. Let's get to the episode. You're listening to episode 69 of the Nutrition-ish podcast. Hey friends, so I am by myself today. This is Allie, if you guys don't know our voices. I think we sound pretty different though, but I'm doing another solo episode. So last week I had the pleasure of interviewing my dear friend Lindsay um, Surowitz of Weeknight Bite. So if you guys haven't listened to that episode, um, we got a lot of really, really great comments and feedback. Um, So thank you guys so much. I think you guys really enjoyed it. Um, We talked a little bit about nutrition school, building a business, Instagram, all that kind of fun stuff. So this week I'm addressing some questions from you guys and uh, Chelsea's fine, don't worry, everything's great. She's just (laughs) doing some wedding stuff and traveling a little bit. So I said, hey, I can do this by myself, I think. She's done a few more episodes by herself. Actually, I haven't done any by myself. I've just interviewed people. So wish me luck, I hope you enjoy it. Um, So the topic that I'm going to cover today, actually before that, I wanted to back up and just do a quick little announcement. Okay, rewind. See how I'm already doing a great job. (laughs) Um, But most of you know, because we've talked about it on the podcast, that Chelsea and I are both now beauty beauty counter consultants. And if you're not familiar with Beauty Counter, it is a clean skincare and makeup line that she and I have chosen to switch to personally and share the mission that Beauty Counter um, has to offer, which is really kind of like truly rooted in education. And there are tons and tons of different chemicals in skincare, everything that you use. Um, So Beauty Counter abides by the European laws, which actually bans over 1,400 different ingredients from all of their skincare and makeup lines, where in the US, we're technically only required or companies are only required to ban about 30, which is like insanity. And the laws haven't been changed since 1938. So clearly there's a lot to do. And that's what Beauty Counter's mission is, is to not only get safer products um, available, but also to change the laws in Congress. Um, They do a ton of advocacy work, partnering um, with different corporations. They're also a B Corp. So anyways, that's a little bit about Beauty Counter. If you guys have more questions, please, please ask. Um, I truly love most all of their products um, and can help kind of guide what products might be good for you if you're trying to switch over to natural, um, a more natural, more clean skincare. But they launched um, their new Countertime line. And I have been <laughs> like never more impressed than I have been with this new line. So they have a rejuvenating line, which is the anti-aging line. And they basically reformulated that, re um, 
bottled everything so they're moving more towards the sustainability practices as well now they're using glass because obviously that's more recyclable recyclable and um, this is their new anti-aging line called counter time it's absolutely stunning I've been posting a lot about it on my Instagram because I've been using it personally for the past probably week or two now and it's kind of one of those like feelings they have um, let's see how many steps I'm gonna go to my little cheat sheet here but they have a, a handful of products in the collection and it's one of those things that you put on and you're like oh I feel like I just got a facial so they have the very first um, part of the line is a cleansing oil which I'm hugely I don't know huge fan of cleansing oils so they have their lipid defense cleansing oil then they have a mineral boost hydrating essence then they have a tripeptide serum they have an antioxidant soft cream for daytime and then their countertime supreme cream is for nighttime it is so hydrating I have a really hard time finding something that can truly truly hydrate my skin because it's more on the dry side and then they also have a um, eye cream so anyways, I've been like, not that I need an excuse to look forward to going to sleep, but I've been truly really enjoying like the 10 minutes that I take to like do my cleanser and like do all these different parts of the, my skincare kind of routine now at night. And it's been really, really great. So I highly recommend it. Super excited about it. But I just wanted to kind of announce that as maybe my little announcement um, for today's episode. So counter time, beauty counter, check it out. I will leave a link in the show notes. Okay, so getting back to kind of like the root of what we're going to be talking about today is all about fitness. And I kind of wanted to take on this episode solo too because I think for me personally, I have a really good relationship and understanding of what this meant in my life and how I kind of overcame some of these things. So the first question is how do I not feel guilty when I exercise less than four times a week or not at all? And before I get to answering that question, I want to talk about just kind of the way in which exercise can impact our bodies and maybe getting even into a little bit more technicalities about stress, hormones, all the things, because that's really kind of like my experience with it. So I thought, you know, maybe I can share with you what I went through, how I've kind of evolved my fitness and where I'm at kind of now being, you know, going through pregnancy Um, even trying to get pregnant and then being kind of mostly, not mostly, more so, absolutely, postpartum. There we go. That's what I meant to say. (laughs) Um, So that's what I'm going to start out talking about. And um, I really feel like this can be kind of a shorter episode. So I was thinking as I was like jumping on here, I was like, this could be a really fun, almost like mini series, um, you know, for Chelsea and I to kind of do even on our own, just when we have fun little topics like this, where maybe it doesn't need to be a whole hour episode, but a little mini series of kind of just answering a few of your questions that come through that I think could really help and impact other people. Um, So uh, my history with exercise has been mostly a love relationship. I've never hated exercising. I've been more of like, I cannot wait to work out type of person. I've never dreaded it. I've always looked forward to it. And I can think back even to for me being in high school, which I don't even, I mean, maybe that's normal. I'm not really sure, but I can recall being like maybe even like ninth or 10th grade, like getting up to go to the gym even before like going to high school. That I don't think should be normal. I'm going to say that. I mean, depending on if you're like sure, an athlete or training for something, like I get that that might be 
fine, but I think I have always taken it a little bit too far. And I can only say that now, kind of like looking back, because when you're in it, you're like, this is fine. This is normal. This is what I'm doing. And then now being older, wiser, obviously, uh, I just it was kind of like, wow, that is really kind of strange to be so young and being so, you know, adamant about working out every day and so that this question really resonated with me because I used to be that person 100% that I would feel guilty if I exercised less than four times a week or if I didn't you know two days in a row if I took two days off quote unquote I would just kind of feel like my body was like craving it Um, so because I was always kind of that way it became more of like I can I can say probably now that I was an obsessive exerciser person and um, all through high school, college, um, and really up until I would say probably about two years ago now, maybe two to three years ago, I've always been that way. And it actually really got me into, you know, kind of a pickle with my health. I think that was probably the catalyst to a lot of things that I had to kind of go through, Um, discovering, you know, having thyroid issues, amenorrhea, Um, It all kind of relates back to like, I probably push my body too hard. Um, So the way that that works, and I want to go into the why behind it, um, there's a really great article. um, Well, and that's kind of the the article that I'm going to be referring to is more towards sex hormones, and that's kind of addressing the, the amenorrhea section. So my thought process in explaining this is that there's a good reason to not feel guilty about exercising less than four times a week if you understand the health impacts that can happen if you over-exercise. Um, so the pregnenolone steel, I know we've talked about this a little bit on the pod before, but if you're not familiar with Stephanie Ruper, she used to be on the Well-Fed Women podcast, and I believe she still is here and there, but Noelle Tar, who is an NTP as well, Uh, She does most of the podcasting and interviews now. However, anyways, she wrote, um, Stephanie Ruper did, she wrote a really great article that I will link to in the show notes called The HPA Access, What is the Pregnenolone Steel? And I'm going to refer to this article quite a bit because it does get pretty confusing when you try and kind of like explain this (laughs) to somebody and even like saying it out loud. I said it out loud once. I was like, "Mm, maybe I should read more of this than come up with it on my own. Um, but okay. So the thing that can happen with exercise is my point that it can be stressful on the body and it can actually work against you. So if you're over exercising and you're, or not even exercise, just, this is the topic for that. But if you're over stressing your body in any way, shape or form, then the human response to a stressful situation occurs in, in really two places. First, it occurs immediately, which is your sympathetic nervous system. Your heart rate increases, your breathing rate increases, um, you start sweating, maybe your pupils start to dilate, like it jacks up your blood sugar, inhibits digestion. It kind of puts you into this like fight or flight response. And then secondly, uh, the stress response occurs in a hormone form. So the hypothalamus is basically the hormone command center. You can think of that in the brain. And it decides to be stressed out. And it kind of gives these marching orders, if you will, according to how it's feeling. So the adrenal glands start responding and they start pumping out cortisol, which is your main stress hormone. It also puts out adrenaline. 
So the secretion of cortisol um, is a fast action, but it's also a bit slower, like kind of in the first step. And then lightning fast reaction in the nervous system is what I described kind of previously to that. So, But the second one endures for longer. So it's really, um, it doesn't really run its course like quickly. It kind of is like this long drawn out process that with the adrenals, it slowly starts to kind of affect all these other, you know, different things and hormones in your body. So the pregnenolone steal, like what, what does that mean exactly? So it literally steals the pregnenolone. So pregnenolone is a hormone. It's a, it's a precursor hormone and it's used by the body to make stress hormones and sex hormones. So in the time of stress, it diverts a lot of the pregnenolone towards stress and away from sex hormone production. So if you think of a fork in the road, you have the stress or you have the sex hormones. And hands down, every single time, your body is going to choose the stress hormone and it's not going to choose the sex hormones. So it, it enables a lot of cortisol production and it kind of inhibits almost everything else. Um, I'm hoping I'm making sense here. <laughs> um, so from pregnenolone, virtually all of the rest of the hormones are produced. So like I said, two things can happen. Pregnenolone can either be converted to progesterone or it can be converted to DHEA. DHEA is the precursor to all the other sex hormones. Um, so essentially what I'm saying is that if you have too much stress on your body, which can come from working out, uh, it's going to steal all the pregnenolone away from the normal production and not produce the sex hormones that it should. And instead, it's going to basically shunt it and push it all into producing cortisol instead, which taxes your adrenals, disrupts a lot of other different problems in the body. So that's kind of the overall reason why um, your hormones can be disrupted by stress and by overall I guess, overexertion, and that can not necessarily be from just working out. I mean, it could just be like a, a high stressful job or anything else that you're doing that can be stressful. Um, so another, I guess, side effect aside from hormone disruption and adrenal fatigue is um, most commonly, these are not obviously the only things that can happen, but hypothyroid is a very common result of over-exercising and being underweight. Body fat is really, really important for hormones as well. So I think everybody is different. I mean, I know a handful of people who have very little body fat have always been thin. Their hormones have never been affected in that way. And then there are other people where you know a good difference of 10, maybe 5 pounds can really throw off their hormones. So I'm that second person, unfortunately, and I kind of found that out the hard way in getting myself into a situation where I had amenorrhea for two years and exercise was the last thing that I addressed because it was just something that I was so passionate and, and loved that I was like, I'll do everything else. I will do all the supplements. I will eat all the healthy things. I will remove all the toxins from my body. But I didn't necessarily alter the exercise until I kind of was at my last, like my wit's end to be like, what have I not tried? And how many doctors told me, I think you could just gain maybe 10 pounds and you might get your period back. And of course, I didn't want to hear that. So it was kind of, I was forced into looking at exercise in a different way. 
And that brings me to how to feel not guilty. And I'm going to share, you know, what I did. Um, I think the main thing that I was afraid of is if I do not work out every single day, maybe four to five times at least. I mean, I was probably more in the five range. Um, but I was also doing very, you know, high intensity cardio quite a bit. Um, but it's the assumption that you're going to gain weight if you do not exercise. And that's simply not true. And it's kind of like you don't know that until you actually try it. So if you give it a shot and you focus much more on your diet and what you're eating, then I think you'll find that your body isn't going to just all of a sudden balloon up in 10 days, a week, a month, however long. Um, it's kind of something you just have to be like, all right, look, I'm just going to try this and then see how see how I do. Um, but it's also a, another reason and a good I don't want to say excuse, but a good reason to focus more like, okay, how is my diet? What am I, what am I eating? You know, it's a really good way to get yourself to eat healthier, knowing that, okay, I'm not really going to work out as much as, you know, I should be quote unquote, because I am maybe recognizing that maybe four times a week is too much, or maybe, Hey, I don't have time this week at all. And it doesn't even have to be an over-exercising situation. Like if you're just busy and you don't work out at all, there's no reason for you to feel guilty about it. What you should do instead is shift your mindset to say, I can't work out this week because of X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to really just kind of, you know, focus on eating really nutrient dense foods. I'm going to maybe work on cut out, cutting out more processed foods. I'm going to think about, you know, mindfully eating and not overeating to where I'm doing it emotionally. So you can really kind of have the benefit of, you know, pulling yourself together in a very healthy way and say, I'm going to do all of these other things with my food. And therefore, you know, I kind of feel like a good balance that I'm not working out. And then there's, there is no guilt because you didn't, you didn't do anything wrong. You know, you're focusing and shifting that energy to something else. Um, another thing that I feel like is important is you shouldn't be working out so you can eat whatever you want in my opinion. And I, I say that in a way that I mean you shouldn't work out so that you can eat all the, you know, perhaps undesirable foods that your body really isn't going to benefit anyways, like the pastas and the pizza and sweets and sugar and all these processed foods that are really kind of not good for you anyways. I think there's certainly ways, like in my opinion, there's a lot of ways to still eat pizza and pasta and perhaps sugars, but do it in a healthy way. So maybe you do a cauliflower crust pizza or you put a ton of vegetables on it. Um, maybe you leave the cheese off because you know dairy can be more inflammatory. So looking at food in a way of not necessarily good or bad, but just what is my body going to benefit from? And I think it's really important to bring it back to inflammation because that's really truly the the crux of like the chronic diseases and things that we see in health issues is inflammation. So if you think about food and how can I eat in an anti-inflammatory way, then it kind of puts you on a good path to choose foods that are going to be better for your body, better digestible. And those things can still definitely be pizzas and pastas, but there's a much healthier way to do them. Say you maybe make a pasta with, you know, lentil noodles or you do zoodles instead or you do like the spiralized sweet potato noodles and you still make the meat sauce with the red and all that kind of stuff. So I think you get what I'm saying, but you shouldn't be working out so you can basically eat crap. <laughs> if I were to put it in a nutshell, you should be 
you know, working out so that you're feeling mentally clear, so that your body is feeling strong, you know, shift your mindset of maybe why you're working out. And that can also help you because if you're doing all the right things in the food department, then you probably will feel less inclined to be like, oh, I have to work out. It's like, "Mm, I think I'm good. I don't really have to. I'm eating really healthy and I feel pretty, pretty great. Um, The other tip I have for you that helped me is that I was not, I'm kind of an, I don't know, maybe I'm like, you know how they say you're like an abstainer or a moderator. I go back and forth depending on what the topic is, but I'm more of like an all or nothing person. So for me to just cut back or stop working out was not an option. I was like, okay, self what can I do to kind of pull it back, but still make myself happy? And for me, that was still moving every day in some capacity. So I started, you know, walking every day. I started doing a lot more yoga. I started doing more strength training and I started cutting back on a lot of my cardio. So instead of going to spin class Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then going to hot yoga in between those days, which is really what I was doing a lot of, I switched to just doing cardio two days a week and I would try and limit, you know, what those activities were. So if I was going to go for a run, I would try and go for just like a quick 20 to 30 minute run and then I would do maybe one spin class. Those were my two cardio days. In between those, I switched to doing just regular yoga. The problem I have with hot yoga, I think it can be a little bit addicting because it gives you such a high Um, I mean, regular yoga can do that too, but the issue is that it's such like I was a core power junkie. I would go to sometimes like two classes a day. I was like morning, evening obsessed. And while sweating and detoxing can be very healthy, it can also be a little bit too taxing on your body. Like you need to hold on to some nutrients, you know, you can't just like sweat everything out. (laughs) I remember going to my acupuncturist and she took my pulse. She's like, I think that there's nothing left. I was like, mm, good, great. You know, I need to I need to work on that clearly. So I switched to doing regular yoga. I'm kind of not so much a fan of hot yoga. If you do it once in a while and that is like your one, you know, harder day of working out, like that's your more stressful workout, like, okay. You know, but try and think of how you can really balance all these things. So walking, yoga, strength training. Um, and strength training, I think, is a great way to go, too, because you're building muscle. You're, you know, it's great for bone density. It doesn't have to be, you know, crazy long amounts of time. I love doing different classes, like, you know, whatever, weight classes and stuff like that, if they have it, um, certain gyms. Um, so I think if you can keep the cardio to a minimum, find other ways to move your body. I mean, walking is now my favorite. (laughs) So uh, what I'm kind of doing now and what I did during pregnancy was I really, pregnancy-wise, I really just walked. I stopped running and that was just a personal choice. I do not think um, you have to stop really doing anything during pregnancy um, aside from, you know, don't start anything new is kind of, I think, what the recommendations are is, you know, don't do anything you've never done before, but you can keep doing the things that you were doing before. I agree with that to some extent. Um, I wouldn't continue personally doing too much. Like I said, the hot yoga is just a stressor. And for me, running was just like uncomfortable and seemed unnecessary. I tried to kind of put my mindset as, look, this is nine months of my life and my kid's life too, creating a safe, non-stressful environment for him. I don't think that running feels like something that's necessary, nor was it comfortable, like physically comfortable. I just didn't see the the need to do it. So I just decided that I was going to walk. I was going to do yoga and weights. 
And I really tried to kind of at least walk every day. I think having an active pregnancy definitely helps for lots of reasons. Um, But you don't have to do all the things like use it as your time off to nourish your body. You don't want to be burning a ton of calories anyways. So I kind of took it easy. And then now I'm starting to get into more of, I guess what you could call interval training. I really haven't run yet. Um, aside from on the treadmill, um, I'm trying to just kind of like take things really slowly. And I'm also trying to be mindful of my decisions as like mentally, because I know, I'm that addictive type of personality that I can easily get into like a really bad spiral of like five days a week again, knowing that like, oh, well, if I get up at 6 a.m., then my husband's still here. He can watch the baby. I could go every morning. And it's like, no, (laughs) we don't want to end up back where we were starting before. So I've been trying out Orange Theory and you guys, well, I don't want to use the word obsessed, but I really, really love it. I really do. I think it's a good mix. I have a little bit of an issue with the rowing machine, only that it can, I think it can be, you have to do it really well in order to not, I think, throw out your back or hurt your back. So I'm trying to be cautious of that. But it seems like a good, for me, like balance of everything. So honestly, that's all I've been doing because you get the treadmill, you get the weights, and you do the row machine. And running-wise, you're really not doing more than I would say like 12 minutes of running. And it's kind of, you know, more of like a higher intensity switching stations and all of that. And for me, that personally feels like a really good balance for where I'm at right now. And I'm, you know, going three days a week. I've worked up to that. I started working out probably about eight weeks postpartum, Um, but certainly not with Orange Theory. I mean, I'm talking like walking, (laughs) you know, up hills, maybe slight jogging, a little bit of weights here and there. I think it's really important to take it slow, especially like the first time I tried to just use my abs in any way was just like, where, where's the on button? Like I, where did they go? Um, I had kind of every intention of going to see a pelvic floor therapist, which I would still love to do, but I didn't feel like for me it was absolutely necessary and maybe I will still, you know, embark upon that, but that's also an option. There's a lot of really great videos too that you can find online about rebuilding your pelvic floor. Um, but that's kind of how my, you know, personal journey has evolved and I did it in a way that I don't feel like at all guilty now about if I were to not work out for a week, like I would be a hundred percent okay with that because I've realized that, you know, my body is not something that I can run into the ground. It has its limits and it just depends on when you hit yours. So I think trying to be mindful of, you know, Maybe you are resilient for a while, but you don't want to get to the place where you can't exercise at all. So I think that's something to keep in mind. And, um, you know, the other thing is really just figuring out like your own pace with it too. Um, Another thing that I think helped me is how I kind of tried to decrease it. Um, So going back, you know, to the beginning. So when I was exercising a lot, how I was, you know, trying to just, it was almost like weaning off of it right? So I said I was doing all these different things, like more calm, um, you know, not as intense. But then also I did force myself to have those rest days. And the first thing I noticed actually was that my body did feel like it it used to when I would not work out. I just felt like sluggish and I felt like my digestion slowed down. I felt kind of like bloated and puffy. 
And I realized that, you know, I've always forced my body to burn calories almost daily. So what happens if I just all of a sudden don't force it? Like my body has to work for itself. My metabolism kind of has had to like reshift the way that it did things. And so it took me, I would say, maybe like two to three months for my body to actually even get used to not working out so much. But once it adjusted and it started realizing, okay, I'm not going to be forced to burn calories. I'm going to do this on my own. And then, you know, coinciding with that, I was eating much healthier. I was, you know, picking nutrient-dense foods and high proteins and high fats and all that stuff. So my body did adjust, but I will say for me, it personally was an adjustment for my body to get used to it. But honestly, the only way to do that is to start and be patient with yourself and have your body readjust because I think once you feel like, okay, I worked out two days a week today and I actually feel really good, like that will happen. And I think that takes off the guilt as well because you don't, you should, you should be trying to tap into how your body feels. If your body feels good, you're likely not going to feel guilty about anything. Uh, The other thing that I will say is that I really do like having my freedom and that's another positive. So, you know, an idea for you too is that you could put into two different categories of the benefits of working out four days a week and then the downsides of working out four days a week or maybe say five to six or whatever it is, you know, do like a pros and cons list. One of the pros for me Um, And I think in that cons list, you can put down all the things that I said about what happens when you push it too far, what happens when you get in your head, when you become obsessive, all these things. And then for the, um, the pros, the one thing that I really realized, and I had this conversation with my husband was, um, we're going on a trip, um, actually coming up here. And I was like, do you remember when every single place we went, like I had to work out like wherever we were. And part of that is fun for us because not as much anymore with a baby, but we used to, you know, go for runs all over different places in new cities. Like that's how we would explore, which while I think that's a great idea and I love it, I also felt like I had to do that. So, you know, we would wake up and wherever we were and go for like a really long run and explore the city. And while I think there's something to that, I think I also felt like I had, like I couldn't just walk the city or I couldn't like take a bus or wherever, you know, take the rental car. I felt the need to find a way to exercise. And we kind of were laughing about it. He was like, yes, I am a very patient man (laughs) because he likes to work out too. But like it doesn't dictate his entire trip like it did mine. And thinking back to like Europe and all these things, like, There was a lot of places I ran that were like not runnable and I just like made them work or like I would find, um, I remember being in Chicago being like, where's the closest soul cycle? Like I have to get there. And he's like, I know, but we're like doing this like walking tour. Like, why is that not enough? And I was like, I'll just go before, you know, it's like, I started to be like, wow, that really kind of disrupted a lot of things (laughs) for us to just have the freedom to like, just go about a city and enjoy it and You know, so one of the pros I am enjoying now is like the freedom I have with not having to think about it all the time. It's like I have like so much more time now that I don't have to, you know, fit this workout in because I didn't do it enough days. You know what I'm saying? Um, So the other question that we got regarding this topic was, which I touched on a little bit, but uh, which exercises are good for your body to balance your hormones? And I will answer this by saying less is more. 
hands down 100%. It depends, of course, on what you're dealing with. If you're dealing with amenorrhea, um, which I didn't really clarify, but lack of having your period, and depending on how long it's been, there are some people who believe that you should not do more than 20 minutes of cardio at any given like one time or one day. So I do think there's some validity to that. I think you really do have to be careful. But again, it depends on how sensitive you are and how sensitive your hormones are and maybe how long you've been at like trying to balance them. So at at my point, I was kind of like, well, shoot, it's been like, you know, a really long time. So I'm willing to try anything. So I did try, you know, just doing no more than 20 minutes and I was doing just two days a week. So anyways... I think less is more. That's the moral of the story, hands down. But I think there are definitely a lot of great great ways to exercise. Again, doing weight classes, um, yoga, not hot yoga, but just regular yoga, uh, walking, um, interval training, Pilates is great, pure bar, dancing. I have been wanting to do a hip hop class, you guys, <laughs> like no other. I used to do like choreography and hip hop dance like way back in the day. If anybody in the San Diego area wants to go to like culture shock with me, I'm totally down. I did um, recently a salsa class with a friend. Like that was super fun. Like it's just all about moving your body and getting those endorphins. And when you change and shift your mindset to like what makes me happy versus what do I hate doing but feel like I have to, I promise you your body is going to love you back more so than hey, I got up at 5 a.m. and ran for an hour even though I like hated every minute, it's done. You know, like that's not the attitude to go into, you know, working out. And I think the older you get, the more your body will appreciate that. And it should be like a time of kind of like self-reflection and being mindful. And so there's lots of different ways to move your body and strength train without going too far you know, in one direction. It's like anything else. Like you don't, you don't want to do a job that you don't love. And so if it's part of your day, you should at least try to on some level enjoy it. And that's what gives you that oxytocin. That's what gives you those endorphins. And it's not, you know, pushing yourself into the ground. Like I really hate a strong word, but I kind of hate, you know, those sayings and slogans and t-shirts that you see that's like, uh, what is it? Sweat is like pain leaving the body. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> we need to get away from that. Sweat should be like a detox that you're like enjoying and you're having like a peaceful time about it. You know what I mean? Um, so I think, I hope I kind of answered, you know, some of those questions for you guys. And my personal experience is, of course, just my own personal experience. But if it helps anybody in any way, of course, I'm happy to share what I did to kind of find my personal balance. And I feel finally for the first time in my life that I am having a really good time doing what I'm doing. There is no guilt. I feel like my body is getting stronger and I'm enjoying it. And, you know, it could also be just maybe like a postpartum thing for me gone having gone through you know child and labor that like you it's really magical what your body can do um and in and thinking of that in two ways it's magical it's amazing what your body can do but also like it will do the seven days a week seven spin classes if you want it to but not forever it's going to break down and things are going to go you know things are going to hit the fan 
Um, and then it's also really amazing what the body can do without pushing it really, really far. It's amazing that you can enjoy, you know, a walk three days a week, eating really healthy, you know, listening to a great podcast and kind of like getting those same really great hormonal, you know, beautiful effects from whatever it is that your exercise, you know, wants to look like. So anyways, thank you guys so much for listening to this mini-sode on exercise. If you guys have more questions about this, I would love to talk about it. It's been something that I've kind of found a little bit of a passion for because it's been, you know, like a, a long journey and I, I've learned a lot about myself and learned a lot about I guess the process and and what it can take to really find a good balance and it's not easy. I will 100% say that it is it was one of the biggest struggles I had to kind of make myself do so to speak, but I think with all the things that I listed, that's how you can do it best and that's how for me I kind of made peace with not feeling that guilt and really finding a good happy balance with it. So for more from me, you can head over to barefoodnutrition.com and follow me on Instagram at barefoodnutrition. If you want to find out more about Chelsea and she will be back, I want to say next week. If not, she'll be back soon. I think so. She's our master coordinator of podcasts and topics, but um, yes, find out more from Chelsea at nutritionwithchelsea.com and follow her on Instagram at nutritionwithchelsea. And we will, we will see you guys next week. Thank you guys so much for listening.